This morning, for our harvest service, we're going to consider the harvest of the world. The harvest of the world. We'll have a look at Revelation chapter 14. Please turn to that. The Bible clearly presents God as judge of all the earth. And we thank God that despite everything I've already said, God is sovereign over everything. And he is the righteous judge. Let me give you some examples of the judgment of God. About four, 4,000 years ago, at a time when the Lord was about to punish Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin was very grievous, Abraham, whose nephew Lot was in Sodom, pleaded with God on behalf of the righteous of Sodom. And Abraham asked, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? What do you think the answer to that would be? Abraham saying to God, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? The answer is, of course he will do right. How else could God do anything else other than right? Consequently, the result of God's righteous judgment on that occasion was that, first of all, Lot and his family were removed by angels. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire. That's the judgment of God. About 500 years before that, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of men's hearts was only evil continually. Sounds a bit like today, actually, doesn't it? long time ago, but I shouldn't think there's any difference with today. Anyway, God's judgment on that particular occasion resulted in the whole of mankind being destroyed with a flood, but not before God shut righteous Noah and his family safe in the ark. The fact of the matter is that throughout history God has exercised judgment on people who have broken his laws. Laws that place a duty upon all people to love him with their entire being and to love their neighbour as themselves. To varying degrees everybody has broken those laws. Everyone, we see it every day, that law about loving your neighbour as yourself, the royal law no less. We see that with in excess of 200,000 babies being slaughtered each year in the UK alone. As such, the Bible tells us plainly that all have sinned. All come short of the glory of God. We are all ripe for judgment. Today we shall consider something of the vision of the Apostle John concerning what will be the ultimate judgment of God upon everyone who has ever lived. It is a final judgment that all the other judgments, the ones I've just mentioned, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, the days of Noah, they all point 
to this final day of judgment. The apocalyptic picture language in our passage speaks of a final judgment in terms of it being a twofold harvest. First of all, look at verse 14. It introduces us, verse 14 in Revelation chapter 14, it introduces us to the harvester. And I looked and behold a white cloud and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. Well, I wonder who that might be. Who do we think that might be? It's the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? Without a shadow of a doubt. Jesus is described like the, uh, like the Son of Man upon a white cloud with a crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And I'll show you how that is most certainly Jesus. It's pretty obvious to me and others in here, but just in case you doubted it, I'm just going to flick over the pages, flick back to chapter 1 of Revelation. Chapter 1 introduces us to one like unto the Son of Man in verse 13. Look at that. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as flame as, as a flame of fire. Can you imagine that at the, at the judgment? Those eyes like a flame of fire just looking at you, penetrating your exterior and looking straight into your heart. Everything will be laid bare before him. Nothing hidden at all. His feet like unto a fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he said in verse 18, look at verse 18 there. This is the Son of Man in in verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Well, we know that's the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, he says. And those who are trusting in him say, Amen, alive forevermore, and I in him. Alive. Note that the Son of Man has the keys of hell and death. Apart from anything else, that speaks of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, to judge the living and the dead when he comes again in judgment. When Jesus was in the world, he made it very clear that he is the judge of all men. For example, in John chapter 5, and verse 22, Jesus said, The Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment to the Son. And elsewhere, Jesus spoke of himself as the Son of Man sitting in judgment. 
For example, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 32, he said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. In our passage, back to Revelation chapter 14 and verse 14, Jesus is described as the Son of Man. Being on a white cloud, being on a white cloud speaks of his glory, that having paid the price for sin, he is highly exalted. The cloud is a white cloud which speaks of the purity of the Son of Man. It speaks of his holiness and it speaks of his righteousness. To those of you who insist on saying that once you're dead, you're forever dead, and if there really was someone called Jesus who died on a wooden cross, then he is forever dead. Let me tell you on the authority of the Bible that when the Son of Man comes again, every eye shall see him, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. (laughs) Then try saying that Jesus Christ is dead when he is there on his throne of judgment with his eyes like flames of fire. On that day, if you are in the grave, you will be raised up and you will see him. Indeed, on that day of judgment, even if you are the most militant atheist that ever lived, you will bow the knee before Jesus. Also, according to verse 14, when the Son of Man comes again, he will be wearing a golden crown. How different that will be to the crown of thorns that was thrust upon his head at the cross. No longer will people be shouting, crucify him. When the Son of Man comes again, it will be very different indeed with people falling prostrate before him. Last of all, in verse 14, we see that the Son of Man will have in his hand a sharp sickle. As I said earlier, the Day of Judgment is spoken of in this passage in terms of a twofold harvest. And that brings me to our next consideration If you look very carefully at these verses, you will see, first of all, look at verse 15. Another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, crying out to Jesus, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So, an angel came out from the presence of God, the Father, and he cried out with a loud voice to the Son of Man, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, 
for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And verse 16 tells us that the Son of Man thrust in his sickle and the earth was reaped. A lot of reaping going on there. You may think it's odd that an angel would give an instruction to the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, to thrust in his sickle. However, what you need to understand is that when Jesus was in the world, he spoke to his disciples about the end and he said to them, But on that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. So what we have in verse 15 is an angel bringing a message from God to the Son of Man that the time has finally come for judgment. The Greek word that we have translated ripe in verse 15, look at that, in in the King James, it's the very last verse there, Uh, sorry, the very last word, ripe. And I've just noticed that it's actually got a did, uh, another word for it in the centre margin, dried. Ripe means dried. Or withered. Wheat is ripe for harvest when it becomes dried. This is speaking of wheat. When it is ripe, it is dried and withered. As such, what we see first in this twofold harvest is wheat ready to be harvested, dried and ready for harvest. Not only does this passage speak of a dry harvest, a wheat harvest, but also a harvest of fully ripe grapes, which would certainly not be described as dry. You wouldn't harvest dry grapes, would you? Verses 17 through to 20 tell us that there are two more angels, one holding a sharp sickle and another one crying out to him, to the Son of Man, in verse 18, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. We've moved on from the wheat to the clusters of grapes now. The Greek word which is translated fully ripe in verse 18, it's different to the ripe that we saw in verse 15. It's got nothing to do with being dried and withered. The ripe that we now come to in these verses tells us that the grapes have come to maturity. Juicy grapes ready to be harvested. The apocalyptic language of Revelation chapter 14 verses 14 through to 20 describe a day, the day of judgment when some who have died are still alive at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and they will go to be with him forevermore whereas everyone else will be punished forevermore. In our passage that final day of judgment is described as I say in terms of a twofold harvest with Jesus as the harvester. All of God's chosen ones throughout history, people who have been redeemed, they've been cleansed with his precious blood, cleansed from their sins, which uh, cleansed by his blood which was shed at the cross, they will be gathered up to be with him forevermore. They are the wheat that he will gather 
into his garners, into his barn. But also on that most solemn day, when the Son of Man comes again in the clouds of heaven with power and with great glory, there will be a harvest of the damned described as grapes. Concerning this second reaping, the Apostle Paul, speaking to the Thessalonian Christians, said, To give you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, speaking of the judgment here, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Vengeance on them. Vengeance on those who do not know God. People who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is, if that is you now, the wrath of God is upon you. And when Jesus comes again, if you die, having never received Jesus as your saviour from sin, when Jesus comes again on the clouds with his elect angels, you will be someone who will be shouting out to the mountains to cover you, to hide you from the wrath of the Lamb. And for the first time in your life, well, the first time you will actually see a lamb who has wrath. I'm sure you have, you've never seen one up to now, an angry lamb. But that will be the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, when he comes again in judgment. Our passage for this morning is not only is not the only place rather in the Bible where the day of judgment is described in terms of a twofold harvest. For example, when John the Baptist heralded the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ two thousand years ago, he made a reference to that final judgment. We've already heard it earlier on today. Speaking of Jesus, John the Baptist said, his winnowing fork is in his hand, he will truly clear his threshing floor, he will gather his wheat into the barn. That is all who have ever trusted in him for the forgiveness of their sins. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In those, ver- in those verses, the damned, those who have Rejected Christ are spoken of as chaff. Elsewhere you can look, for example, in Matthew chapter 13, where it speaks of those who belong to Jesus as the wheat and those who are not belo- who do not believe belong to Jesus. I think it's a reference to people in the church, no less, the visible church. They are the tares. They look very similar to the wheat. They may even sing the same hymns. There are no may about it. They do sing the same hymns. They come to church. They do what Christians do. But they've never actually trusted in Jesus as repentant sinners. The tares. But again, it speaks of the, those who are blessed and those who are damned. I can only guess that this is not the kind of harvest service 
and the kind of harvest message that you might have expected when you came here. But then again, anyone who knows me, maybe you did expect precisely that this morning and you wouldn't have expected anything else. And it demands serious thought by each one of you. Very serious thought. When Jesus comes again, not like, no, no longer as a sacrificial lamb of God, but as the judge of all the earth, there will be no warning. He will come as a thief in the night and there will be a twofold harvest. For example, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Will you be taken up by the angels to be with the Lord forevermore or will you be cast into outer darkness where there is wailing, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth? But we read in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That whosoever, who does that reach to in here today? Are you one of those whosoever? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and believe on him for everlasting life. You will be saved. And that will be a wonderful day. A day that you pray for when Jesus comes again. It's a great day. It's a dreadful day. As I've said, it will be a day when there will be those who will be shouting out to the rocks to cover them from the wrath of the Lamb. But then there will be those who will see their Saviour in all his glory and majesty. And they will go to be with him forevermore. Amen.